0: Welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I am Michael. And on today's show of Oaken Bros, we have, I mean, I'm like fanboying right now, big yeah, time. We're going to so, be doing that a lot today. Yeah, we're going to be doing that a lot. We have a lot to talk about. We have on best-selling author of the Ryan Drake series, which is a total of nine books, Will Jordan. His new book, Something to Die For, comes out on November 9th, 2020. He's a YouTuber with the moniker, The Critical Drinker, with over 500,000 followers, Um, Will, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Good to be here. So how are you guys doing today?
0: We're doing great. We're
1: We're doing great. So I,
0: how the hell did you come up with the name, The Critical Drinker?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I guess, uh, I've got a well-known fondness for alcohol, so that was a good start. Um, And I guess I was basing it around this idea of critical thinking when it comes to reviewing movies. So rather than being the critical thinker, I was like, well, I'll be the critical drinker instead. And it just seemed to roll off the tongue. So I thought, okay, that'll work.
0: That's fantastic. And this was born out of your absolute hatred for Hollywood, I'm assuming? Uh, not, I guess
1: what it's what it's turned into because really, you know, as a kid,s like we all did, you know, I grew up watching Hollywood movies, and right. you know, for me um growing up in a little town in scotland you know there wasn't an awful lot to do so movies became like one of the things that that kept you entertained and it was like a passport to like new worlds and you know the most fantastical things you could imagine could be made real on screen and it was great uh and it was only you know the last four five six years that it it started to change and you know, you obviously there's trends in Hollywood and things go in and out of fashion, but really that's when I started to notice a change in what was being shown and um, the way movies were written and the quality of them. It, it had really started to go downhill and it started to, um, to get very preachy and, and really started to push a lot of things into it that nobody really wanted. um, And that, you know, people watched movies to escape from all of that sort of thing. And suddenly they were being confronted with it again and again and being lectured to um, in films. And it just really started to get me down about movies. It started to, you know, kind of affect my, my kind of enthusiasm for film. Um, And it got to the point where I thought, you know, I'd I'd really like to talk about this and I'd like to, you know, address some of these problems and explain why they're problems and try and make sense of it and try and contrast that with, older movies that uh, did this sort of thing so much better. Uh, And that's where my channel was kind of born from.
2: I wanted to say, like, when I first heard your channel, I thought your pulse on American culture was so, it was so spot on, and you articulate it so much better than I ever could. I thought that your accent and your shtick, so to speak, was, was completely made up. Like I thought that you were making like a pretend voice because it was so profound. We thought you.
0: We and, thought you were an insider. We right. thought you were an insider to Hollywood because you you got storytelling. Like you totally understand it.
2: And it's it's just amazing to me that you know you're you're from Scotland, correct? Yes, I am. How do you have such? Because like I know nothing about Scotland. Yeah, you know, like I'm I'm the first person to say that I don't know. I I barely know what the culture is. How do you have such a? a a microscopic pinpoint culture onto what is going on with American movies.
1: I mean, I think a lot of it is just, you know, we all watch the same movies when we were kids, you know, whether you're from Scotland, whether you're from America, whether you're from, you know, Japan or whatever, you know, any part of the world, you're going to get exposed to the same films, those same classic movies. And so you all have the same experience. Um, And that combined with, being a writer and having kind of a grasp on how stories are put together, how characters are written, those are all kind of universal things that you can apply to anything. So when you start to see that go wrong, okay, you know, I I, I didn't grow up in America or anything like that, but I've seen those same movies that people in America have seen. And so I had the same experience and then I can, I can talk about it from that perspective. So, yeah, I'm a complete outsider when it comes to the industry and all that sort of thing but writing stories and creating uh, interesting new worlds that's something that can happen anywhere that's universal
0: when you write your ryan drake series is there anything that you're basing it off of from your childhood i mean the beats of the stories meaning like you know when i write movies go- you know go- when i write films goonies back to the future those were, were my inspiration was there anything that was inspirational from hollywood back in the 80s
1: I I think what you do is for me, I just always try to tell the kind of stories that I would want to read. Um, And so Mm -hmm. it it could be, um, you know, it could be action movies. It it could be um, the kind of um, conspiracy thrillers. It could be other books that I've, I've um, read that kind of inspired me. There's, there's not really a specific film or anything that, that really triggered my interest in wanting to write or anything like that, but you can take little bits and pieces or, um, you know, that just that kind of feel or that kind of world that uh, that certain movies have created, and then apply that to what you do. Um, I, I put little references throughout my books, you know, just mm-hmm. to to films. Like um, some of the characters were named after characters from the movie Aliens, just because I was a big fan of that <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> just little right. things like that, you know. Um, but I, I try not to just I try not to emulate films specifically because I want to just try and do my own thing as much as possible.
0: Right. Of course. Of course. When, when you're writing, um, is it hard to distinguish like the drinker to you writing, you know, like, is there, um, is there, is, is there separate or are you writing with, you know, with like a, kind of like a, an angry tone to say like, you know, screw this, this is how I'm going to do it.
1: No, um, because I was doing this long before, you know, I was writing books long before I became the drinker. Um, right. So it, those are two things that don't interfere with each other too much. Um, the amount of people, though, that have said, you know, I'd love to have an audiobook of one of your novels read as the voice of the drinker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how I could manage that in like a 500 page novel. My vocal cords would be shredded, <laughs> but it could be fun.
2: So how intense is it for you? Like how much work is involved for you to make a 10 minute video on YouTube? Uh,
1: So it usually take a full day, maybe two days to write the script for it, because um, I I guess it would start with rewatching whatever film it was just so I'm really um, I've got it all fresh in my mind. Then I'll sit down, I'll write the script, take a couple of days to get that um, into a good shape where it's nice, as concise as I can make it because I don't want to drone on for ages with my scripts. Um, So try and make it nice and concise, make my points clearly. um, And then go ahead and record the audio. That's going to take me, what, 15, 20 minutes. Um, Then just edit it so I can take out any lines that I've flubbed or any times where I've tripped over my words or anything like that. And then it's just a case of getting in the... uh, the video footage that's going to support that and putting in any, you know, little funny edits or anything I want to put in it. You're
0: t- uh, t- uh, so You're that t- you're tyrion when when tyrion pukes i i rewatch that i rewatch that. <laughs> yeah. that i just i hit the, the 10 <laughs> second rewind just to watch you go oh right so they they sit they, they save the the damsel in distress <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i don't even know i don't even know why i used that it was yeah, just because it's i it's amazing it was back during the- yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was doing the, the game of Thrones reviews of season eight, um, it just leapt out. I, I mean, I, th- I think it's just like a really funny random clip to throw in and yeah, it just became like a little hallmark of mine. Uh, did you do so, all eight
0: years? Did yeah. you, did you watch all eight years of game of Thrones? Like were you invested that heavily? Cause I binge watched it for about three months. I didn't watch game of Thrones for eight years. And then I binge watched it for three months. I honestly didn't have the time I've been, I was writing. So like, were you that invested for those 8 8 seasons?
1: Yeah, it really was. I mean, I started right in season 1 when it first kicked off here in the UK and um really? you know, it really hooked me right away because it'd been it'd been pretty heavily advertised and people seemed quite fired up about it and I thought, great, I'll give this a watch because I really like fantasy um movies and and books and shows that sort of thing. So, um this seemed really interesting and then I watched it and it it was great. It wasn't yep. um it wasn't goofy, it wasn't too pretentious, it was very gritty and realistic, and and um, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, intelligent maneuvering and and political games and intrigue and all that, and it just seemed like a great combination. So it really got me right away, and I watched every season pretty much as it came out. So you I think skewered. that's why, you know, it was such <laughs> a disappointment, because of...
0: <laughs> you skewered season eight, but you were right about everything. This is what we love about your channel, Will. You're, you're so right. You destroyed Avatar and we freaking loved Avatar. Yeah. Like, you I know, was like, you, oh my God, tra- yes. You changed my opinion
2: on movies and, like, uh, you know, thank you, I guess. But, like, you know, like, I kind of like Avatar, <laughs> you know? Like, I kind yeah, of like it. And now
1: I feel bad because I'm going around like destroying people's love for films.
2: <laughs> no, you're yeah, not. You're Actually, right, you're, you're reigniting. I mean, you may. We, you know, but right before we we uh, we did this interview, I watched um your intro to your YouTube channel, and it's so inspirational, and it's so um it hits home, it hits in the heart because like so much of our lives are tied to movies of Chris Farley, you know of you know of watching his movies growing up,
0: Lord of the Rings. When like we
2: say things now. It's part of who we are, right? When we'll, we'll like do a, a, a quote from a movie, but it's, you forget that it's actually from a quote from a movie. And these movies shape who you are. And like you, and like you were saying in your channel, these upcoming movies and the movies in the last five years and what's happening, it's shaping this generation into who they are. And gosh, what, what is that going to do?
1: yeah i mean i really shudder to think of of what they're going to look back on and reflect on because like you say you know movies shape the culture that you live in and your culture helps to give you a framework to live your life um, and see the world so you know we're lucky i guess we're probably about the same age so you know we grew up with those those movies that gave us a really broad sense of the world um and and kind of you know it, it it taught you a sense of balance, and it didn't. Uh, it taught you to to kind of focus on telling these great stories with really interesting characters. But now, yeah, you you see a different kind of focus. The the focus is on the message in movies, um, and it's not always, um, you know, it doesn't always result in an inspirational experience. It doesn't grab you. It doesn't get your emotions going because that's not what it's about anymore. Um, and yeah, like you say, that's that's not very. That's not very engaging.
0: Movies that we—I'm forty-two years old. I—I—I I, I can't even ask you how old are you, Will?
1: I'm thirty-seven. So yeah, a few years younger. Right. But yeah, we're I'm, in the same I'm, sort of age range.
0: I'm thirty-seven. Yeah. Right. So okay. the idea that you know we could look back on the '80s and '90s and and look at a Back to the Future or look at a Goonies, um, you know, and even look back into like the 2000s with a Social Network or a There Will Be Blood there's definitely like those movies strike a chord they're they're with me forever they're with me till the day i die i can't find movies in the last 4 years that can do that that you can go back and go you know maybe avengers infinity war like my son and i were huge marvel fans but you know then you get the political things and it's just like you got to explain to the thing that this is this is this is a message that they're trying to convey do you feel that there have any, there's any? there been any movies in the past four years that are kind of worthy to take with you for the next few decades?
1: I'm not sure about the next few decades. I mean, we did have a lovely little run at the end of last year where we had movies like Joker. We had um, Ford versus Ferrari, which it wasn't a huge movie, but it was just it was a, a nice movie. kind of classic um, yep. film. You know, uh, 1917, a great um, war movie. You know, all of those things; those those are films that um, really, you know, gave me hope. And when I got to the end of last year, I thought, "Oh wow, it kind of feels like the tide could be turning here, and they're starting to focus on bringing out, you know, just really interesting um, character based movies again." This is great. Uh, And And then, then, and then, it's hard to get a sense of it. This. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, just trash like that but I mean then it's hard to get a sense of this year because nothing's come out you know everything's been right. on hold for the past six months and so this year is a complete bust as far as new movies go uh, so I don't I don't quite know what what it would have been uh, but yeah they they're they're still capable of making good films. it's just. You've got to try and encourage that. You've got to really try and promote these films that are good and that are going in the right direction. and that's I guess what I try to do.
2: Mm-hmm. I just wanted to shift gears here for a second. I had a question about your YouTube channel because you know we're we're a YouTube channel. we're trying to grow. um and we base it on you know doing interviews and um you know, and uh, and having like our live streams and stuff like that. My question to you is we we want to have five hundred thousand subscribers. Did you want that? Was that like your vision for the critical drinker?
1: I had no idea. I mean, genuinely, like, you know, some channels uh, are, are lucky enough that they just kind of explode overnight. You mm-hmm. know, other channels have got kind of a longer road ahead of them and you never quite know what you were going to get. Um, mm-hmm. Mine, for whatever reason, like I, I dabbled in in making YouTube videos a little bit um, and all of a sudden uh, probably... March, April last year, uh, mine just really blew up. And, you know, I had a video come out that just really took off and people were were writing in the comments. I still remember this one guy said, dude, you need to have like 300,000 subscribers. Um, And that was just, I laughed because I was like, yeah, right. I've got like 400 subscribers right now. The idea that I could even get to a thousand would be, would be pretty awesome. Uh, And then, yeah, sure enough, like a week later, I had 10, 15,000 subscribers just out of nowhere. Um, and so the whole thing was a little bit of a blur i almost didn't um didn't have time to take it all in um but then i had to reevaluate i guess where my channel was going and think okay you know it seems like i've got people's interest you know i need to try and think what what makes it work like what made it take off um, and what can i use going forward to keep that interest going
0: um you okay? and you never
1: you never know where it's going to go I didn't think I'd get to hundred thousand. Never mind five hundred.
0: We're there now, Will. We're we're at you know four hundred subscribers on on YouTube, and we have about twenty five thousand followers on LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, but you became the voice for our generation, for the people that don't appreciate what's what's being pushed in our faces. You know, I go to you, Eric, and I go to you. Our mom goes to you um, when she wants to know. What what's missing what's missing in a story right what's missing in a story and you really you you say it so clearly you say it so precise uh, you know you have you have something really special going on here with this channel you really do
1: i i just feel uh i've been very very lucky um and I, lucky. so i try to go on that yeah <laughs> well it's i mean i try luck. to go on that basis of <laughs> um but no like i i try to look at it as You know, every video that you're making, and um, every time you you put something out there and people watch it, it's a privilege um, for you to have them watch your content. And so, you know, I don't ever try to be presumptuous about people watching it, and that's why I don't do that thing of like, you know, please subscribe to my channel and hit the like button and all that sort of thing. Because I just think that if people like what you do, they'll they'll subscribe. They'll do it. You need to ask them. You tell them to go Um, away. Weirdly, it's almost like people just. (laughs) Yeah, and I think people then subscribe just to spite me on that one. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, that's so cool. You know, because, like, on our channel, like, we're going to be, you know, like, subscribe, share, comment. We're stopping, you know? Eric. It's done. That's we're it. not saying that anymore. Like we're going to start telling don't people, don't fucking subscribe to our Don't channel. subscribe
0: to our shit, you know, just stop.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, honestly, it's reverse psychology. They'll do it just to annoy you then. Um, but, you know, we'll, it's, oh, um, no, no, it's, it, you know, it's great. Because the amount of people that have come to me and said like, look, you know, I knew there was something up with this film, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it and you've articulated it. But yes. then I said, and then I'll say to them, well, great, but now you'll recognize it and you'll know when it's missing in future and you know what to look for. So you, you don't, you know, you don't need to be told again and again, you've just been given this skill now and you can take it forward and you, you can kind of explain to other people as well. So that's, that's kind of the way it goes, I suppose.
2: How did you learn about storytelling? Like, was there a Um, book or was there, you know, an author or was like, did you go to school for it? Like, how did you learn how to write it? Because not everyone knows that, you know, the the beats of a good story.
1: I I never I've honestly I've never been trained. Like, I've never done a creative writing course in my life. I've never um, done a degree in it or anything like that. And I haven't really read any books about it. But I kind of remember, even from a young age, I started to get a sense of how stories were put together. Like as a kid, you know, when you watch films, and you you perhaps start to pick out a structure to it. um, And it was, you know, it was still basic back then. But I, I started to recognize, wow, I've I've kind of noticed with these films, there's always certain things that happen, like. You know you get to you get to meet your main character he he gets pulled into this adventure of some sort um he suffers a, a loss that that pushes him down and there's like the lowest point of the story where everything seems really bad and then he has to learn some lesson that pulls him back up again. I started to recognize that same structure getting used again and again. Um, and once you once you recognize those beats you start to see it and you start to see the variations of it. And I just I don't know. I mean, I guess I kind of just taught myself and the same with writing novels, you know. I just um once I started to recognize how stories worked and the things I liked in them, I thought, okay, well, I'll I'll try my hand at this and see if I can do this too. And you yeah, know, it's trial and error. You got to find the way that works for you but eventually you get it. Um and uh, and you move forward from there. So, yeah, I didn't get trained in it or anything. I just kind of figured it out, I suppose, over over years.
0: How did you come up with Ryan Drake? How did you come up with the story, the beats, the characters for the Ryan Drake seri- series?
1: Um, the the Ryan Drake series actually began with uh, Anya, who's who's uh, the sort of female protagonist, or you know she's like the secondary character of it. Um, but a lot of the backstory of the series is based around her, and and Ryan Drake, the main character, gets introduced to her in the first um, the first book in the series. Um, and a lot of it is gradually uncovering the things that she's done that now um, are affecting them in the present. Um, so I, I just had this, uh, yeah, this idea of this character who's um, older, more experienced, who's been there and done that, and who's now in a really bad place in life and uh, sort of connects with the main character. So it all grew out of that, really. Um, and once you get that, that really Bare skeleton of a story and a character, you just keep adding more and more, you know, meat on the bones until you get a fully fleshed out story. Um, and it just it grew and grew. Um, when Certainly. I when I started the series, I thought I was going to do three books, maybe four at the most, and now I've done nine. So, it shows you how much it's grown. So
2: That's when cool. you when you write, do you map it out, or do you? It, does it just like kind are of? you like a, vomit? You a, at, does it like
0: vomit out of you? Does like the story tell itself? <laughs> are you a plotter or a panster? Is basically the question. Are you a plotter or panster?
1: Yeah, I'm a plotter, very much yep. a plotter. Um, because the books I write, especially now, um, they get quite complex, especially when you're dealing with eight other books of, of overarching plot threads and stuff. You've got to keep it straight in your head. And so when I, come down, when I sit down to start my book, I will write a detailed synopsis of everything that's going to happen. It's going to be maybe eight, nine, ten pages long, and it will just mm-hmm. give you a nice blow-by-blow account of what's going to happen, what each character is going to do, Um, how it ties together and that way I can make sure I don't write myself into a corner at some point because I've I've had that before where I haven't stuck to my plan I've gone off in a different direction and then I've realized oh shit I've screwed up here I have to go back and change it so honestly like 10% more work early on usually means 50% less work later so yeah I definitely plot it
0: have you read the book save the cat by Blake Snyder it's the last book on screenwriting you'll ever need
1: I know. I've really. I've heard about this. I've never read it, um, and I kind of wish I had because <laughs> it might give me some pointers.
0: I swear to. Go- so you know, Will. I, this is not uh, the me show. Like I'm a writer. I write screenplays. I write books. I I cr- credit all of my writing. Literally, the guy ruins every movie. You know, he's he was kind of like you back in like the late you know early 2000s, <clears throat> 2010s. Um, he breaks down how the beats are in every single film. It it would be right up your alley. Blake Snyder saved the cat. I mean, it was it, it's like the Bible for me when it comes to storytelling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely um, it's, it's something I need to make the time to read.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So let me ask you a, a kind of like a, a funny question because I'm really curious to know the answer. I've waited like over a year to ask you this. If Ryan Johnson comes to you and says, I want to take <laughs> I hear I hear some laughing in the background. I want to take the Ryan Drake series. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take the Ryan Drake series, <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna Disneyfy it. We're gonna we're gonna bring it to Disney, Lucasfilm, the whole nine yards. We're gonna turn and, it the next. And here's thing. twenty. And here's twenty million dollars. And here's twenty million dollars plus. You get all the book sales. You revert the right. What like? What do you do? What do you do at this point? Right? Like, do you sell yourself? I would. Yeah, I would. you hang
2: up?
1: No, I think uh, in that situation I would take the money and completely cut myself off from the project and just <laughs> say this is a thing that they did I had no involvement in it um and you know good luck to them. I'm sure you'll do a great job subverting my expectations Ryan.
2: Is that <laughs> yeah. your is that your angle with the books do you want the books made into a movie into a series on Netflix, Amazon, whatever? I mean,
1: I think every writer does, really. Um, it would be silly to say otherwise. Um, you obviously hope that um, the right director or the right uh, studio comes along to give you, you know, a good script and perhaps a degree of control over it. Um, but it's it's just, you know, it's something that uh, you don't have much control over. I mean, I, I've certainly sold the rights to the first novel to get uh, made into a movie. Um, but then so many writers do you know you can you can option you can sell the option rights uh, they sit there in a, a cupboard for 10 years doing nothing um you just right. never quite know
0: do you have so, a manager uh, are you yep. represent are you are you represented by anyone on the west coast or you're strictly um you just have the publicist and the agent
1: i just got my yeah i got the publicist here in the uk um they handle film and tv rights as well so um i haven't really needed um anything of that nature yet
0: okay all right I have, you know, if you're ever looking for the attorney or the manager to, in addition to what, what else you have, I, uh, I got, I got the representation on the left coast and you know, if, if you need it, I'll give it to you after the show, but I digress. I want to, want to know more about, um, about what you're doing. So yes to Ryan Johnson. If, if, (laughs) if he's gonna, you know, write the paycheck and he's going to Ryan Johnson, the Ryan Drake series. Um, yeah. (laughs) Are you are you scared that you might have alienated Hollywood? Like if your stuff ever gets to the West Coast, and they're going to pull you up your your stuff, and they're going to put Brie Larson in as the star? <laughs> like, are they going to the be mind like, wait, wait. Boggles, dude. it really does, <laughs> right? They're going to be like turning the page, and be like, wait, this is Will Jordan, the critical drinker. Like he's been skewering us the last four years. Are, are you scared that you're not kind of kicking the hornet's nest in Hollywood? That you're not kind of like throwing the grenade and saying, you know, if you want me, come and get me?
1: Not really. I mean, honestly, I would rather be skewered for the opinions that I do have than, um, you know, just kind of half-heartedly uh, mollified for opinions that I don't have, you know, and just trying to say what people want me to say. That's just, that's no way to live, really. And ultimately, you know, the reason this channel has done well is I've spoken my mind and I guess said what other people are thinking. Um, and it's not done from a position of hatreds. I don't hate Hollywood. I don't hate movies. Um, it's done from a position of, you used to be awesome. I used to love what you did. Now I don't. And I'm trying to explain why. And you know, if, if perhaps you would listen, um, you know, maybe me and you and all the people who, who have been sort of alienated by present day movies, Um, can reach some kind of compromise where we can all get back to enjoying films. You know, that's why we're all involved in this because we love it as an art form. Um, And yeah, it's it's definitely not done as uh, a thing where I hate... I hate stuff. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to have that negative mindset, and that's why, you know, I'll do live streams um, where we talk about movies that we we really enjoy, or um, I'll do a drinker recommends video where it's like, oh, I'm going to pick out a film that's really great, and I can just be really enthusiastic and explain why it works so well. You know, yeah, that's why I enjoy that. doing.
2: I love those videos because it's not current, and you're picking a great movie from a from a time and place. And, you know, because everything on YouTube and podcasting has to be always so relevant. And I guess by picking those movies that are just good, it is relevant because good storytelling is timeless.
1: Yeah, and it, 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 nothing makes me happier than people who, who are come to me and say, look, you know, I'd never really heard of this movie or I, I never thought to watch it, to be honest, because it didn't really interest me. But I did give it a go because you recommended it and I absolutely loved it. And it's like, great, I've done my job. You know, you've you've gotten entertainment out of that film because of the video I made. Great. That that's what I enjoy.
0: You 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 can come off as divisive to certain factions. How do you deal with people? Do you, I'm sure you have haters that say you're wrong, Birds of Prey was the greatest movie ever made. Do you how do you, <laughs> how do you deal with detractors?
1: I mean, I don't care. Ultimately, you know, I think if you get any degree of notoriety on YouTube, you're going to get people that hate you. It's just inevitable. And um, if they come at me on Twitter or or something like that, even this is pretty rare, but like most of the time I'm not even aware of it because I'll I'll go on social media like once a day, maybe, and I'll probably miss 90% of my notifications. So there's probably people giving me death threats that I don't even know about. um, And I'm just blissfully unaware. (laughs) But yeah, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into like petty arguments with people on social media or anything like that about the finer points of a movie because uh what's the point you're you're not going to change their minds in that case um ultimately you're just going to waste your own time and get yourself pissed off and give them the one thing that they want which is your attention um you know i i'm happy to get into like a civilized discussion with people who i disagree with on a film that's that's great. I've done that on live streams before where we've talked about, you know, different perspective on movies. Uh, and that's great. But like if it's someone who's just like, nah, you're full of shit, man. I hate you, like I'm just not gonna give them any of my time. It's not worth my time.
0: Yeah. You're in this click. I don't even know how to even like bring up even a question at this point, but you have this like this click that Eric and I are absolutely obsessed with. Like it's you, Doomcock, Geeks and Gamers, um, nerdrotics mauler you know do you guys like hang out with each other is are you guys like do you guys have like a mass text messaging thread to say all right we're gonna skewer the last jedi today
1: no nothing like that no Mm -hmm. um i mean we like I don't think there's any kind of forum where we're all together talking at the same time. We certainly don't plan any of our videos. Um, it will just be a case of, Hey, do you want to come on my live stream? We're going to talk about this on such and such a date and you you're either available or you're not just things like that. Um, yeah. And, and you, you kind of come to know these people just because you're all in the same sphere. And like, maybe if you're interested in talking to the person, you just hit them up on Twitter or, or, whatever other method you might have to contact them and say, look, you know, I like your stuff. Um, wanna wanna do a stream sometime, wanna talk um about various movies. Um, and usually they'll say yes. And honestly, like all the other content creators that I've dealt with have been like the nicest, most supportive, um, you know, professional people. Yeah. Genuinely. There's never been any like backstabbing or or criticism of each other behind the scenes or anything like that um they've they've always been like really like if we're doing a stream they'll be really professional and polite and yeah it's 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 been really a good environment incredible i have a a
2: question so if critical drinker never took off if your writing career never took off what would you be doing
1: i'd be pretty sad (laughs) (laughs) um i mean honestly like i was writing like i say i was writing books long before um i um you know, I took off as the critical drinker. So that was my, my passion. It was just right. storytelling. I, I suppose even if I wasn't doing that, I would have found some avenue for this kind of thing. Like, I guess right. I just love the idea of storytelling. And uh, however I got into it, I would find some way of getting that out. Um And I'd like to think I would have found another way of, of making a go of it.
2: That's great. You know, very few people in the world get to follow their passion. So, you know, that's where you're lucky, I guess that's that's very cool yeah i've been very lucky
0: where what are your top five favorite movies well of all time that you could watch on repeat and never have and you're going to make a, a critical drinker that the drinker recommends these top five movies
1: oh damn i'm glad you didn't just ask for one because it's impossible to nail one movie is like your favorite i would do a ten. Um, i would do
0: top 10 i'm fa- i'm famous on facebook and linkedin <laughs> for my top 10 lists <laughs> But if you want to give a top 10 of your favorite movies of all time, we could talk about this for the next two hours if we can. Very curious. I mean, I'll go with
1: five because honestly, like if I was to pick them out, they wouldn't even be like classic, you know, artistically significant movies. They're just movies that I would find really fun um, to watch. Uh, One of my all time favorites, which I've still never got around to reviewing, it's Big Trouble in Little China with Kurt Russell. I absolutely love that film. It's just so damn fun.
0: Yeah. (laughs) back in the future Um, yeah yep yeah of course that would would definitely be one of them i heard they were remaking big trouble with the rock i don't know if that's um i read that a few years ago actually but uh you know they were remaking it but whatever please continue yeah
1: yeah i mean just don't remake it. it it's it's got that perfect combination of goofiness and like 80s machismo and just yeah, you know, it's perfect yep, yep. Um, yeah so I was saying there um, Back to the Future would be another one um, I love the whole trilogy but the, the first one in particular it's just got a real sense of wonder to it so uh,
0: it's just great movie. film uh, really, yep.
1: yeah it's just that and I think it's the same for a lot of people um, also Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark that would uh i just i love the indiana jones movies i love the adventure of it i love the 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 traveling all across the world the, the tombs the traps the bad guys it's it's brilliant fun to watch um just the, a classic adventure you know story so yeah that would probably be my third one uh fourth one um it's one of the star trek movies i would say um i did a live stream about it Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Um, I, abs- I love it. Uh, I think that a brilliant villain, um, a, uh, a Captain Kirk who's going through a midlife crisis. Um, you know, his best friend sacrificing himself. You're brilliant. Um, yeah, our mother is
0: them. a our mother is a massive, massive Trekkie. She's watched every episode. She has them all on DVD. And when she watched the new J.J. Abrams ones. I hated I hated the new ones. I didn't like the new, you know, with Chris Pine. See,
2: that was one of the movies where I was like, you know, I kind of like it. No, and then, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> and then the drinker gets on. I'm like, I I'm like, I changed my mind. <laughs> but you literally you literally
0: changed my mom's mind where you're like, where you pointed out the flaws in all three of the newer movies, and she's like, I never saw it like that. He's right. The drinker is right. I'm like, yes, I, I, I think you don't know.
1: That you don't really notice it unless you're you're still fairly well versed in the original movies um, and and things like Star Trek the Next Generation where you got that kind of classic Star Trek feel um, and mm-hmm. the kind of moral dilemmas that they wrestle with all that sort of thing um, and then when you you get to the J.J., um, movies and um, suddenly it's all high energy and everyone's running about and stuff's exploding and the Enterprise is getting blown up every single episode and you know like it's, it's all just like frantic madcap nonsense just getting fired into your face like every five minutes and it's just overwhelming it's like Star Trek trying to be Star Wars Um yeah. and it's, it's easy to be you know fooled by it because you don't really get a chance to stop and think about anything that's happening and you think it's good but then you, you stop for a while you consider how it's actually put together and how it compares to the originals. And you're like, no, this is, this is terrible. This is trash. Uh, and that's the realization I guess I came to.
0: Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And what's the fifth one? Will. The last one. Oh, man.
1: I'm trying to pick one more. Um, it would probably be a horror movie. Um, that was made in the UK. You, might, you guys have probably never heard of it. It's a werewolf horror movie called Dog Soldiers, um, and it's about a, a sort of team of British soldiers that gets uh, trapped in a and a like a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere um, under siege by werewolves. And it's honestly the most fun movie. Like it's, it's got so many like great gags it's got loads of like in jokes and references to previous like to older classic movies um, and it's got really good action and the characters are just brilliant like the dialogue is so funny Uh, it's it's kind of it's got comedic elements but fundamentally it's still kind of a serious horror movie so it just like again not an artistically significant film but just one that i really enjoy watching
0: question for you what do you think of there will be blood Oh, Eric! You took the freaking question right out of my mouth, dude. That's that's my that's our yeah. That's our favorite movie of all time. My my personal favorite. Yeah, it's one of my favorites.
1: I mean, Daniel Day Lewis is just terrifying in it. Um, I love that every scene he's in, he just looks like he wants to skewer the guy next to him. You know, he just seems to hate everyone. He's got that simmering rage in him about everything. Um, It's an it's got kind of a mesmerizing quality to the movie because there's a lot of like drawn out scenes where there's like where there's no dialogue, there's just the yeah. soundtrack. Um, you know you'll get a guy staring at someone else like across the room and he's you can see the camera's just focused on him and again you can see the simmering kind of emotions building up yes. um, yeah, it's it's a really it's a compelling movie um, and it's the kind of performance that you don't get out of someone very often so i implore yeah, you um, to do a,
0: i implore you to do a drinker recommends uh, that's you know and if you could dedicate it to the okin bros i'd uh, really <laughs> appreciate it yeah. that 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 there will be blood is my number 1 number 2 would probably be um uh back to the future and then 3 would probably be goonies i i don't know if you're a goonies, goonies. Kid. yeah you're a goonies yeah guy? i
1: like the goonies um i have to, i don't know if it was you guys as well but i watched it when i was like I don't know six or seven years old like I was just a little kid when I saw it for the first time and holy crap like sloth scared the shit out of me (laughs) when (laughs) when you first meet him yeah yeah he's like this basement like uh, a chunk gets put in there with him and he's like chained to the wall and stuff I'm like oh my god this is awful Um, yeah but yeah it's 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 a great it's a great adventure and it's You know, because it's all based around the kids, like they've got so much energy to them, like they're always full of excitement and stuff, and like they're they're totally ill-equipped for this adventure that they're on, but they somehow like have to puzzle it out together. Um, and you know, it's it's yeah, it's a good film. It just feels like a really wholesome movie.
2: What movie did you watch when you were younger, and then all of a sudden you watch when you were an adult, and you're like, oh, that's (laughs) the message. Like for uh, for me, Tommy Boy, uh, with Chris Farley. I watched that when I was a kid, and you like you you watch that for a fat guy in a little coat, right? When you were when you were younger, but then all of a sudden you see the coming of age where he lost his father, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he has to save the company. And then you see the epiphanies happen where he becomes a man. That movie for me, where like it, it was so it hit different. The older I got, what movies existed like that for you?
1: There was two, I think, for me. Um, One of them would be probably It's a Wonderful Life, which sounds weird, but um, it's kind of seen as this just like sugary sweet Christmas movie that's got like a happy ending. But if you actually watch it, it deals with some really dark stuff like, mm-hmm. um, you know, a guy contemplating suicide, the the kind of frustrations and the setbacks that people like everyone kind of experiences in their lives. And I, I like how, you know, as the movie progresses, you see this this guy who kind of bit by bit has to give up on every dream that he's had and he can never quite he, he's desperate to break away from this little, you know, small town America kind of thing and, and get out into the world. And he's obviously capable of doing incredible things, but it's never quite able to happen for him. And he's just stuck in this really unsatisfying life, where things keep going wrong for him. And you see him get more and more frustrated and more and more angry until eventually it boils over. Um, and he's he's reduced down to his lowest point, where he's contemplating throwing himself off a bridge. Um, and it's only then, like when you actually get to see this, the the total, the sum total of his life. You know that he hasn't achieved the, the dreams that he started out with, but he's done incredible things in his own way. I think it's it, it didn't really hit home until I saw it much later in life, um, mm-hmm. because it's, mm-hmm. it's probably not the sort of film that you think too much about. But yeah, when I look at it now, um, I'm like, God, it actually isn't afraid to deal with some pretty dark stuff, like the the frustrations that people have in life. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's that was an interesting
0: one. And there was um, another one. You said you said there was another movie that you uh you found the other one. On. Um,
1: it, it's it was a yeah, it's a really weird one. It was um Starship Troopers. I watched that when I was like really? a, a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And I did not get it at all because I was only 15 or something when I saw it. And I was just like right. this is a dumb action movie about people shooting bugs. Um yes. and it was only later when I came back to it and I was like, "Oh, wow, yeah, these these bits with the propaganda videos and, you know, the the way right. the characters are just completely empty shells, like they're just Um, chosen because they look beautiful and all that sort of thing Um, yeah it it really it clicked at some point and I was like oh right that's what this is about this is about like you know the, the, the power of propaganda and like
0: Eric and I, um, real, real yeah. quick, brief Fun story. Fact. Eric uh, yeah. and I, uh, our real quick, brief background on us. Eric and our, uh, our family, our parents, uh, own a limousine service. Uh, they started limousine service fifty years ago, a global car service in their kitchen on Long Island, and um, they deal. We deal with the entertainment industry. We drive the entire entertainment industry. Um, so any movie that's being filmed, any production that's being filmed, we're driving that production. And one summer, Eric and I used to go to Los Angeles when my parents, when our parents were building this company and, um, you know, the studios were our background, they were our playground. So we went to Sony pictures one, um, one, one day during the summer, we were there, we were, you know, being kind of babysat by like one production assistant or whatever, while our parents were at, um, were in the uh, travel office and they just started taking us around to all the sets. And we walked onto this massive set with all these big caverns and it was made of styrofoam and this guy came over to us he started talking to us and we were like oh this place is cool he's like i couldn't do his accent but it was paul verhoven and he's like i'm doing this movie called starship. <laughs> oh, i'm doing this movie called starship troopers and eric I'm like this is incredible and it, he's like hey, all MVP, the bugs what? are going to come out of here and all the bugs are going to come out of here and we're like what bugs what are you talking about he's like yeah. oh it's going to be all computer generated." I'm like, oh, that's... but yes, Eric and I were on the set of Starship. Yeah. And then when you we, uh,
2: there was a section where you walk through it and then you would walk through the cockpit of where Jessica, what was it? Was it Jessica Beale? No, who was uh, it? Which no, one? it
1: was Ah, uh, Denise Richards.
2: Yes, Denise, Denise Richards. De- Denise Richards. I was thinking a Real housewife. Yeah. You you yes. would walk through that set and like I we didn't walk on it, but you saw it from a distance, like where where they were piloting that. But yeah, that's where all the movie magic was made. It was very well, cool.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. So the Ryan Johnson thing doesn't pan out. It gets stuck in production hell, and you have an opportunity to cast and have the director of your dreams direct the Ryan Drake series. Who would the director be? who would the film be cast or the screenwriter? Would you, would you want to write the screenplay? Right.
1: Right. I I would probably want to have a hand in screenplay. I think, um, it would be great to have that kind of creative input, I suppose. Um, in in terms of the director, man, um,
0: good question, huh?
1: I'm trying to think. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think who does these kind of, um, like action thriller type stories at this point. Um, you know, the, the, the point of comparison I usually get is like the, the, the born movies. because um, yeah. you're in a similar sort of realm where you've got the CIA and uh and um you know conspiracies, all that sort of thing. So it would probably be be that. Um, I think I can't remember is who actually directed
0: like Paul Greengrass. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So I would probably go with
1: someone like Greengrass.
0: Who's Ryan Drake in your story? Oh. Um,
1: when I originally wrote it because I started about 10 years ago um, I kind of imagined him looking like Colin Farrell okay yes you know because uh, back then I think you know Farrell's too old now but uh, you know he had that rough and ready kind of look to him he's kind of the bad boy he's got like the dark hair and everything so uh, yeah he he probably could have played Ryan Drake so that was just- how I imagine him looking
0: yeah, no, I, that that makes perfect sense. I had Channing Tatum in one of my things, but you're right. This this all this stuff takes forever, so you, you never know like all these actors get older. Um going to Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars guy. Huge, huge Star Wars guy. Star Wars. Hey, I grew up
2: for the record. I'm not I I I never really I didn't care much about the trilogy, the the, the original the, the original yeah. movies. Mainly I'll, I'll say my piece and I'll let you go, but mainly because it was kind of just after my time and then I just never really got into it. I'm more like a Lord of the Rings
0: yeah, I'm surprised, but, you haven't done Lord of the, I'm surprised you haven't done Lord of the Rings yet, Will, but I'll, I'll get back. Oh, to, it's uh, coming. It's okay. coming. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings?
1: Well, I'd like to both, honestly, because I, I would I would uh, praise Lord of the Rings and absolutely skewer the Hobbit movies.
0: <laughs> 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 yes. Yes. My son and I, you know, Eric and I saw all the, the Lord of the Rings in the theaters. We were the first ones online at midnight. I mean, that's how obsessed we were with Lord of the Rings. And then I had, a, I had children by the time The Hobbit came around and my son and I were watching The Hobbit and we watched Lord of the Rings and we were looking at each other like, what the hell do we get? What, what were they thinking? Right? Like, what is this? Yeah. You know, the singing, it's a, it was yeah. like a musical. Um,
1: it, it really was, and it, it's the the ludicrous, over the top action that really did it for me. You know, when the the um, the dwarves and and Bilbo are in, like trapped inside a cage thing, and it falls yes. down a, a, a cliff, like inside a cave, and it bounces off fifty different walls, and it's like, okay, they would have been killed a dozen times over, but everyone's <laughs> fine. It's just, it's like a madcap cartoon or something, whereas the action in lord of the rings was somewhat grounded for the most part like yeah okay you're dealing with magic at times or or, you know armies of of orcs or whatever but they generally did things that were physically believable you know people couldn't leap 100 feet across a chasm or anything like that but now it's just it's just over the top nonsense
0: it's cartoony yeah
1: absolutely and it just i can't believe it it came from the same guy
0: yeah, to me it sounded it felt like a cash grab. But whatever the case, I digress. Star Wars. Uh, rumor is, and I heard this on Doomcock's uh show that they're going to redo the trilogy. Is that do you feel that you had your hand in this? Do you feel that you kind of like <laughs> <laughs> you like kick kick the hornet's nest like that you uh, that your videos may have come across Kathy Kennedy's desk and she's like, "Man, maybe I did fuck up." Right? Like
1: I have I have no idea because I genuinely would be curious to know if if any of these people are even aware of us or things that we've
2: seen. I, yes, they I think are. Su- I think you'd be pleasantly surprised.
0: Yes, they are. The, the 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 you don't. I mean, the power of YouTube, right? Like you're from Scotland, we're from Long Island, and we're connecting now because I watch your videos on my phone at night before I go to sleep. Right. Like, yeah. And I was like, I got it. This guy is just pure brilliance. I want to contact him. I would love to talk to him about his show on on the Oak and Bro show. I, you know, like, you, so you don't think that you had any influence that if they are going to redo it, you don't think John Favreau has heard what you said. I Maybe guarantee you, one of
2: his assistants, one of his assistants said, take, take a look at this. And they, and they texted
0: him. Guaranteed.
1: I think it's difficult because, you know, it would be. Th- it's kind of narcissistic for me to sit there and think, oh, yes, you know, I can I can dictate what I want to Hollywood and they'll they'll bend to my wishes because I'm that important. Um, I, I think I've always operated on this assumption that we're there's almost like this dividing line between what we do on YouTube and the world that uh, Hollywood producers and stuff live in. And it's like we're two completely separate worlds and there's very little crossover between them. I, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just being naive and assuming that. But uh who knows? I mean, I don't think they're they're going to redo this trilogy. Put it that way. Um, I've heard rumors that they they might try and make it non-canon or something in a, in a quiet way, and they'll just gradually shuffle it off um, into oblivion. Um, I don't think they'll ever go t- to the point of of retconning it and saying, "Hey, we guess what? We we really screwed up with this, and we're so sorry. Let's just pretend it didn't happen." Um, I think the best we can hope for is that they'll move beyond it and just kind of quietly try to forget. That this was made um but yeah if if me and and other people who have sincerely tried to point out the problems of these movies have had any tiny hand in influencing that great you know maybe we've we've done something to help
0: they should really i put i made a post on this on my facebook page and i think i i don't know if i tweeted or not they should take the writers of cobra kai and they should lock them in a room and they should reboot the stories that needed to be rebooted the correct way. I think what they did with Cobra Kai was brilliant. That there were flaws. Yes. That, that, that the ta- And I know you did a video on this. And I didn't watch Cobra Kai when it was on YouTube. I just started watching it when it was on Netflix about two, three weeks ago. And I went through all two seasons. It was brilliant. They should reboot Goonies like this. They should reboot Ghostbusters. I think they are actually rebooting Ghostbusters. Not your. That's your most liked video, by the way. The, 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 the Ghostbusters, the 2016 Ghostbusters. <laughs> which i mean I, it was like, a disaster i can't imagine people looking at this in the screen room going this is great this is what's going to sell this is what's going to change the culture we did it people of chris hemsworth dancing in a street acting like a moron i i don't know man i don't know i everything you say is just it's the truth
1: the um yeah, the Ghostbusters one was an interesting one because I rewatched that the extended edition with Mauler and a few of the other guys. Like they invited yeah. me on to do it. I was like, yeah. okay, I'll give it a try. And wow, that's like two hours of my life. I'm never getting back. <laughs> that was like the, the theatrical cut was bad enough, but the extended version, um, it's it's an interesting one because it's like a masterclass in how not to make a movie. It's like just turn the cameras on, get your actresses in front of you, and just shout, "Be funny," and just record whatever they do. You know, it's it's a really strange way of making a film.
0: When are you going to do Tarantino? Because he's my he's my ultimate right. Like Tarantino, Inglorious Bastards might have been my number three um, favorite movie of all time, but Tarantino, you like he doesn't follow uh the general you know kind of beat sheet of what hollywood is expecting when are you going to start doing videos on tarantino and what do you feel about Quentin tarantino
1: yeah i mean this is the thing i've got a backlog of about a thousand movies that i have to review (laughs) so um i do have a lot to crack on with um yeah you know tarantino movies are a really interesting one to review because um he, he obviously has that very unique style. He um, he does long takes. He does you know really intense dialogue. He can just, you know, a scene that could just be two characters sat at a table talking to each other can have you gripped um, in a way that no amount of special effects or fighting or action ever could. Um, and that's the, the power of what he can do. Um, and he's got a real knack for casting like really unexpected and quirky and interesting actors um, in his right. movies that just somehow, i work perfectly um i think you know maybe some of his later films haven't been quite up to his normal standards um i think once upon a time in hollywood's um you know it got a bit of stick for being a bit self-indulgent and a bit long and and you know i think this is this can happen after a mm-hmm. while you know if you've been in it as long as he has maybe y- you start to almost um emphasize too much the things that you're good at and you right. you lose sight of of some of the other things that you kind of need to have in place for a good movie um but you know he he certainly doesn't you know pump out movie after movie he takes the projects on that he's really passionate about and that you got to respect that so yeah mm-hmm. i think I would want to do his movies justice because there's an awful lot to say about them. Um, and right. so I would really need to take the time to like, if I was going to do reservoir dogs or, or pop right. fiction or something like that, like the classic Tarantino films, I'd really want to watch them carefully and, and really make notes and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and try and make some good points.
2: So what's the future for the critical drinker?
1: Uh, more booze, hopefully and more movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you, this, you just this, like I say, you- this is this. Yeah, I mean, this has been kind of a weird year because you know, obviously, there's not been a lot of new films coming out, and so it's it's forced me and probably a lot of other people to go back to older films and work through a, a bit of a back catalogue. Um, but you know, hopefully, we'll get back to something approaching normal next year. Um, but really, I just I want to keep plowing on with with you know breaking down what works in movies um i want to get more into the technical aspects of storytelling and um and character work um and even the process of reviewing things like people talk about objectivity and film criticism and stuff i've got my own thoughts on that um mm-hmm. i want to do more comparison videos where i take you know an older and a newer film see what mm-hmm. um, works between them um, or even comparing two scenes from different movies um just there's a there's like a practically infinite possibilities that you can of things you can talk about with uh mm. with cinema that's the that's the fascinating thing about it you know you can you could cover an entire trilogy or entire franchise or you can you can get right down to the detail of a single scene whatever you want to yeah. talk about and that's right that's that's, that's the, the beauty the of, YouTube. of it
2: do you see your, are you on any other platforms like i know you, like you have a twitter and you mentioned that you only check it like once a day but are you publishing anywhere else like do you transcribe your videos into blogs or do you make them as podcasts or anything like that?
1: No, nothing like that. Um, just put them on YouTube. Um, occasionally, I'll go on Patreon and I'll share a script uh, before I publish the video just so people can you know mm-hmm. kind of see that what you start with and how it then ends up as the finished product. but it's more just to give people a little behind the scenes look at how these things are made.
0: Will, why don't you have a podcast, man? I mean, yes, your videos are absolutely amazing and they're flawless and they're perfect for what they are, but why don't you like pull back the curtain on who the drinker really is? I mean, you really, you're so, we, we listed, we named you five movies and you gave us critiques that Eric and I could watch them a hundred times and not come up with the verbiage that you did. So how, you, you really, you have unlimited opportunity here, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, I'll do live streams on YouTube, and so I can bring a guest in or two guests or whatever. And we'll talk about certain movies that we really like. Um, and I guess that and creating content um, for my, my actual videos, my scripted videos, um, and managing like Patreon and Subscribestar, and writing books and kind of going on social media, all of those things put together, like it's kind of enough to keep me busy <laughs> at the moment. So,
0: right. That's amazing. That's amazing. Will. I don't even like, I don't even want to say where can people find you? Because you're going to be like, just go away now. So, I mean, do you want to even say (laughs) where where you want to, uh, if you want to give your, your, your handles and whatnot, and, and we'll sign off and we'll, uh, if you want to just hold on before we uh, sign off, but go ahead. Where can people find you? Will?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you can, you can find me on Twitter. I'm just the critical drinker. So I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, You obviously know my channel on YouTube, um my books are available through amazon um and the latest one is going to be called something to die for so that comes out in november and that's the the ryan drake series that's that's what it's part of so uh those are the best ways to get in touch with me or to follow my work
0: Everybody, please subscribe to The Critical Drinker and listen to Will buy his books. And whatever you do, do not subscribe to Oaken Bros. Leave us the hell alone. We got to come up with our own, like, go away now, right, Eric? <laughs> yeah. <I prescribed, laughs> hey, like, a, like a New Yorker, like, get the fuck out of here, something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: Uh, Will, hang on one second. We're going to sign off. Everyone, that was great. Please subscribe to the Critical Drinker, and if you and can, to the Oaken Bros. To the Oaken Bros. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye, bye.